Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Tighten Up the Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. As I believe I just mentioned, I'm Hub, and I hope you're having a fine whenever the heck it is you're listening to this. Me? Oh, I'm doing okay, I suppose. It's been a somewhat frustrating morning. Had a few technical difficulties with the sound on this episode, which I'm going to do my best to deal with, but I fear that it may be an issue for you listeners, and I would like to let you know that I am aware of the issue, and I am sorry about it. Uh, I'm going to do my best to minimize it, but something happened with the recording, and there's a bunch of weird pops and dropped words and slightly repeated half words that happened with the recording of the conversation between myself and Corey. So, as I said, I'm going to do my best, but you might have to bear with me on this one. And believe me, no one is more distressed about this situation than I am. Anyway, before I had become aware of the recording problems, I had done my best to record an introduction to this episode where I goof a little bit about some horror movie stuff, and I'm going to see if I can salvage some of that for you. So... Here goes. I recently rewatched a movie called The Birds by Alfred Hitchcock. Maybe you've heard of it. It's a very good movie. I'm not generally a huge fan of the horror genre. My feelings on it, which I may have gone over before, are either it's well done, in which case I am scared, which no thank you, or it's poorly done, in which case I am bored, which I don't need any help with. But, all that being said, I did very much enjoy watching The Birds, and it was a very good movie. Also, I've always been pretty scared of birds, which made the movie perhaps more effective in my case, but also led me to the conclusion that, perhaps, my fears are universal, and therefore should be the fodder for many more horror movies. So, obviously, there should be a sequel to The Birds called The Horses, because their heads are just so big. And there should probably also be a series of horror films made for tweens about a subject that terrified me at that age, which is, what if the neck hole to your t-shirt is a portal into another dimension, and then when you put your t-shirt on, your head is stuck in that dimension, and you can't get it out because you don't have any arms in that dimension. Yeah. So... Pretty good movie ideas. Get back to me, Hollywood, and get me some of those sweet, sweet royalties. Mm-hmm. Anyway, enough of that nonsense. Let's get on with some different nonsense. Without any further ado, let's, uh, do this. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by Devin Tuhey. Corey Point inflation could cause a crisis, so before the market crashes, here's a synopsis. Thanks, Devin. New Teen Titans, number 31. May 1983. Inferno. Written by Marv Wolfman, drawn by George Perez, inked by Romeo Tangal, lettered by Ben Oda, colored by Adrian Roy, and edited by Len Wein. Teen Titan Roll Call, Cyborg, Starfire, Wonder Girl, Raven, Kid Flash, Beast Boy, Robin, Terra, Speedy, and Francis Kane. Previously in the New Teen Titans. Kid Flash repeatedly pestered Raven to be his girlfriend and do his homework for him. 
The Azerathian empath declined both requests, the first on the grounds that Raven's evil dad Trigon lives in a tummy and might blow up the world if she allowed herself to feel feelings, and the second on the grounds of do your own fucking homework, Wally. The sulky speedster refused to accept that these were legitimate reasons. Meanwhile, sinister Septicentennial cult leader Brother Blood was locked in a vicious power struggle with the syndicate of supervillains appropriately named the Brotherhood of Evil, for control of the seemingly idyllic but actually populated entirely by criminals, Baltic Nation of Zandia. Wow, that's a lot of exposition for one sentence. The Brotherhood of Evil, led by a disembodied brain on a robotic pedestal named The Brain, and a super-evolved ape with a French accent named Monsieur Mala, hatched a scheme to kidnap Raven and use her against Brother Blood. The Brotherhood teleported into the Titan Tower and attempted to nab the conflicted conjurer. The fraternally named fuckwad's attempted birdnapping was foiled by the Titans, with the help of Kid Flash's childhood chum, Francis Kane, who had been hanging out with the Titans ever since her mysterious magnetic powers had resurfaced, and the Titans' old pal, asshole archery aficionado, Speedy. During the course of the battle, Evil Ear Phobia used her fear-based hypnotic powers to trick Raven into attacking Kid Flash. During the attack, a horrified junior wizard of Wiz sensed the darkness within Raven that she had been telling him about repeatedly for over a year now. If only he had had some warning. When the fight was over, a traumatized Wallace West declared that Raven was evil and he never wanted to see her again. Harsh. Speedy and Francis tried to tell Wally that he was being an asshole, but true to form, the fleet-footed teen didn't listen. Raven fled, first to a church where she cried about the fact that she doesn't have any emotions, and then to Times Square on New Year's Eve. Interesting choices! She was once again attacked by the Brotherhood of Evil. The Titans, joined by their newest member, an earthbending adolescent named Terra, attempted to intervene. Wally decided that Raven wasn't so evil after all, and attempted to rescue the former, and perhaps current, object of his affection, and failed miserably. The Brotherhood of Evil grabbed Raven and teleported back to Zandia. Concurrent with this calamitous kidnapping, Wonder Girl's college professor boyfriend, Terry Long, took her out to a fancy New Year's Eve dinner at the Rainbow Room. During the date, the divorcee dad proposed marriage to his teenage table mate. Gadzooks! Will Donna ring in 1983 by agreeing to become a teenage stepmother? How long will it be before Kid Flash's fondness for his former flame flip-flops yet again? And, in the face of the mounting stress from Wally's fickle feelings and the Brotherhood's kidnapping, will Raven continue to be able to let Trigons be bygones? Stay tuned to find out. Okay, so thankfully, no, or at least not just yet, less than one page. And, no, not really. The gang is recovering from their recent tussle with the Brotherhood in Times Square. They are surrounded by confused New Year's Eve revelers. Starfire asks Kid Flash what happened to Raven, seeing as Wally was the last Titan to see her. Robin interrupts her and is like, Hey, shut up, Starfire. I got this. Wally, what happened to Raven? You were the last Titan to have seen her. Man, fuck you, Robin. Wally replies, Who cares? Raven sucks. She's evil. Let's just let her be kidnapped. Man, fuck you, Wally. A few minutes ago, you were trying to rescue her because she's your teammate and you thought you probably still loved her. Nothing has changed in the past few minutes except that you did a super bad job at rescuing. When Speedy and Francis attempt to point this fact out to the self-contradicting speedster, he gets downright abusive. Wow. When Speedy is the voice of reason on your team, you are in some real shit. Cyborg tells everyone to knock it off and that if they want to fight with each other, they have a whole T-shaped skyscraper for that. Sullenly, the gang flies back to the Titan Tower. 
When they arrive, they are greeted by a pensive-looking Wonder Girl. She doesn't frame it this way, but the Amazonian teen has some bad news and some good news. The bad news is that Terry proposed to her. The good news is that she hasn't given him an answer yet. So, a somewhat qualified, Hooray! Donna explains that she's always wanted to know who her birth parents are, and she doesn't feel like she can get married until she really knows who she is and where she comes from, and that she definitely loves Terry, and it definitely isn't that she doesn't want to marry him, and it for sure definitely isn't that he is a gross creep. Definitely. The gang all gives Donna their tentative congratulations. Then Wally interrupts and is all like, Hey, everybody, shut up. We should be focused on rescuing Raven, even though I think we shouldn't rescue Raven. Anyway, she's in Zandia, so let's all go rescue her, even though she's evil, and I hate her, and I think we shouldn't rescue her. What are you waiting for? Let's go. Um, okay. Galvanized into action by Kid Flash's stirring pep talk, the gang piles into the Titan jet and heads off to Zandia. Speaking of Zandia, in the depths of the Brotherhood of Evil Zandian headquarters, the fraternally named fiends have sealed Raven inside of some kind of magic terrarium where her powers don't work. The brain is convinced that Raven learned some kind of secret weakness of Brother Bloods when the Titans last tangled with a surprisingly spry Septicentennial cult leader. The Brotherhood is keen to wrest that knowledge from the Azerathian avian enthusiast so that they can use it in their quest to wrest control of Zandia from the perfidious pontiff. Raven insists that she doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about, but seeing as the Brotherhood of Evil is, well, evil, they figure they'll just go ahead and try to torture the information out of her on general principle. First up at Torture Bat is Plasmus. Plasmus is a walking tub of chemical goo who looks like Pizza the Hut in a Speedo. He grabs Raven by the shoulder and burns her with some of his goo chemicals. This annoys Raven, and she tells Plasmus to knock it off. For some reason... He does. Next up is Hoongan. Hoongan is a master of science-based voodoo who apparently shops at the same swimwear vendor as Plasmus as he too is wearing a Speedo. But his has suspenders, which is way classier. Also an elaborate feathered headdress. He typically uses his weird and eldritch dark powers to give people bad knees. Superheroes beware. This time he branches out a bit and gives Raven a nasty stomach ache. The Fiend. Despite her gastrointestinal distress and lack of access to any Pepto-Bismol, Raven still refuses to divulge the information that she doesn't have. What a trooper. Warp's teleportation powers aren't particularly suited to torture, although it is 1983, so he could have just teleported her to a movie theater that was playing Staying Alive. So I guess Warp's evil, but he's not that evil. Anyway, Warp sits this one out, so it looks like Phobia is up next. Phobia uses her fear-based hallucinatory powers to make Raven experience her worst nightmare. I mean, apart from watching Staying Alive. Raven is mentally transported to a surreal hellscape, where she's surrounded by thousands of damned and tortured souls, all demanding that the overwhelmed empath absorb their pain and illnesses. Eventually, these images fade and are replaced by ones of her father Trigon and the Brotherhood of Evil torturing and killing her Titan teammates while Raven is forced to look on helplessly. The image of Wally reaches out to her and begs her to save him, but when she tries to do so, he yanks his hand back and is like, No way! You're gross and you suck! I'd rather just get tortured and die than have you help me! Wow. Phobia really captured Wally's voice. After he says this, the hallucination of the speedster's face melts, and he crumbles into dust. Unable to take any more of this psychological torture, 
Raven passes out. So good job, Phobia, I guess? Except, you know, the part where she gains any useful information. Back aboard the Titan jet, Cyborg is grumpy because he just found out that Sarah Sims, the pretty blonde lady that he was kind of dating, then got retconned out of having been dating, then decided he kind of wanted to be dating, has been engaged to some dude named Mark for the past year. Bummer. Starfire confronts Robin about the fact that he's been a total dick to her for the past few weeks. At first he gets really defensive, then he stops himself and apologizes. Ah, oh, good for you, buddy. I knew you could... Oh, wait, never mind. He goes on to say that basically, being a dismissive asshole to your girlfriend is an Earth custom, and she just doesn't understand because, as they would say in Maine, she's from away. Damn it, dick. I mean, he's not wrong about that being an Earth custom, but that doesn't make it okay. Back at the Brotherhood stronghold, Raven is slowly regaining consciousness. She finds herself being gently cradled by the loving arms of a super-intelligent ape with a thick French accent. Wow. Talk about going from hell to heaven. Seems like the Brotherhood of Evil is running the old bad cop, super intelligent ape with a French accent cop routine on her. Works every time. The Brain and Monsieur Mala are all gentle and charming and manage to convince the empathic teen that they're really sorry about the whole torture thing and they just need her help so they can stop Brother Blood. She remembers what an asshole Brother Blood is, doesn't she? Amazingly, the charm offensive seems to work. I mean, I think we're supposed to suspect that Mala and the Brain are using some kind of hypnosis or drug or something on her, but there really isn't any evidence of that, so I'm pretty sure that the disembodied Brain on the R2-D2 pedestal and the French ape are just that darn charismatic. Raven apologizes to her captors that she doesn't have the information that they want, and the Brain says that she may not realize it consciously yet. But he's pretty sure that when she fought Brother Blood back in issue 22, she absorbed the knowledge of his Achilles heel through some kind of astral osmosis. At the brain's gentle urging, Raven guides the Brotherhood to a hidden cavern in the Zandian countryside, which she feels intuitively is somehow linked to the secret of Brother Blood. Man, disembodied robo-brains must be charming as fuck. I wonder if that's how Krang talked that big dude into letting him ride around in his tummy. Because that's a pretty big ask. Anyway, elsewhere in Zandia, a jet full of cranky costumed teens is landing. Our harried heroes are greeted by a cadre of Zandian military police. The group's envoy tells the Titans to go home, please, unless they would like to be shot. Seeing as how the Zandian populace is comprised exclusively of former and current felons, they aren't crazy about superheroes poking around, be they teenage or otherwise. Fran uses her, well, not exactly mastery of magnetism, seeing as she's pretty new to this shit, but she's getting better, so let's call it her journeyman-ness of magnetism to disarm all of the crime cops. Impressive. Not the most diplomatic method of dealing with representatives of a country you just entered, but impressive nonetheless. Speaking of diplomacy, Starfire loudly announces that she'll use her superpowers to murder everyone if they aren't let into the country. Huh. I bet that doesn't go over so great with most TSA agents. Fortunately for our heroes, the exchange has been monitored by Brother Blood's agents, who figure that if the Titans want to come beat up their enemies, the Brotherhood of Evil, well, more power to them. Blood's acolyte, Mother Mayhem, makes a call, and the crime cop who had been impeding the Titans is ordered to let them through unmolested. Meanwhile, 
Back at the Zandian secret cave, Raven has led her captors to an ancient underground temple where there is a flaming pit that the empath senses holds the secret the Brotherhood has been seeking. The sinister spelunkers are about to explore further when the walls start shaking. Uh-oh. That's right. The Teen Titans Kool-Aid man their way through the ancient temple walls. Take that, archaeologists! Raven is moved to see that her teammates still care about her enough to mount a rescue attempt. Wally starts pinballing off of the evil ears left and right, declaring to himself that he must rescue Raven because he is totally still into her and he can sort out his conflicted feelings once she is safe. Jeez, Wally, I'm gonna start calling you Longitude Lad because you are all over the map with this shit. Warp teleports Wonder Girl away, but other than that, the Titans are pretty much handling their business and beating the crud out of the Brotherhood of Evil. Hooray! Then the brain does... something. It's not really clear exactly what, but whatever it is, it's pretty effective, because all of a sudden, Francis, Speedy, Cyborg, Beast Boy, Terra, Robin, Longitude Lad, and Starfire are all knocked the fuck out. Dang. Now that's what I call a brainstorm. I'm so sorry. When Raven sees her friend's seemingly lifeless body strewn around the cavern floor, she snaps. The image is too reminiscent of her recent hallucination. She loses control of herself. And what happens when Raven loses control? That's right. Her nigh-omnipotent evil dad Trigon crawls out of her astral bird self's tummy and starts wrecking the joint. Trigon slash Raven lashes out blindly, whooping the shit out of the Brotherhood. Once again, a slightly qualified hooray! With Trigon at the mental wheel, Raven turns her attention to her prone teammates. Fortunately, before she can do whatever it is Trigon wants to do, Wonder Girl shows up back from wherever Warp had teleported her to and tells Raven to knock it off. Trigon speaks through Raven and tells Donna, I don't want to knock it off. But Donna's like, no, seriously, knock it off. Raven summons all of her otherworldly willpower and, using every ounce of her courage and determination, knocks it off. Hooray! Then Wally wakes up and says, Raven's evil. She tried to kill us, didn't she? Damn it, Wally. Fortunately, Donna refutes Longitude Lad's asinine assertion. The Amazonian goes on to make two remarkable claims that seem to be unsupported by anything that we have read thus far. The first is that far from trying to kill the Titans, Raven just tried to kill herself to save the Titans. Wait, she did? What exactly are you basing that on? There is perhaps even less evidence to support Donna's second claim reassuringly holding an emotionally and physically exhausted raven in her arms like she was some kind of a super-intelligent ape with a French accent, Wonder Girl confidently states, Now, raven, everything will be all right. Everything will be all right. It will? Okay, good to know. Oh, and I just remembered that big dude with a krang living in his gut was an android or something, I think. So he probably didn't need that much convincing after all. And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Doing all right. Good. So, what'd you think? Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty heavy, man. Pretty heavy indeed for lot, Raven. A lot of stuff going on. Actually, heavy for everybody. Nobody is getting along very well in this story. No, and you know who I blame? Mmm, Wally? Yeah. Okay. He's being a real shit. He sure is. Yeah. 
And, like, he really seems to be the root of most of the dissension. I mean, obviously the other Titans have their own shit. Wally's being an asshole. Yeah, well, he just can't get over the fact that he liked somebody who was half demon. Yeah, but uh, except for he did for it at the end of the last issue. But then when this issue starts off, then he's just like, nope. Nope. No, he's not over it, man. It's frustrating because I think I talked in a recent episode about how the fact that these are episodics, that it's once one issue comes out a month, gives sometimes the necessity for the writer's recapping information. I think Wolfman also uses it as an opportunity to say, I kind of wish I hadn't said that, so I'm just going to pretend I didn't and hope no one else else remembers. And I think that was kind of what seems to have happened with, like, Wally had kind of come around that he was a little bit on the wrong towards Raven, or at least he still had feelings towards her, even if she still frightened him. And then at the beginning of this issue, which should be happening, like, a few seconds later, he's... Back to saying, like, no, she's evil. We should probably just let villains kill her. Yeah. It especially comes off weird because it's right after he failed to rescue her. And he's like, I don't want to talk about Raven. She's evil. Dude, you just fucked up. Like, just admit that you fucked up. He's like, yeah, I was knocked out. So I don't know. Yeah, but it's probably her fault. Not mine. I'm great at running. I'm the best runner we got. Probably the best runner. Yeah. (laughs) So couldn't have been me. I, he just comes out of the gate, dickish. Yep. Boo. Yeah, bad show, man. Yeah. Although that is not the first thing that happened in this issue that got my attention. Mm. The first thing that happened in the issue, the last issue ended with the gang having to fight a bunch of bystanders who were being mind-controlled in Times Square. Mm-hmm. Then all the bad guys take off, and the mind control wears off. So the Teen Titans are in Times Square. They are surrounded by passers-by, by bystanders. Mm-hmm. Who are just like, hey, you guys are the Titans. What just happened? I know you from somewhere. We get a bunch of reaction shots. Mm-hmm. I think it might be the first dialogue that is spoken is Starfire saying, no, thank you. I'm not hired. Yeah. What is that? I think that it is a reference to somebody clumsily hitting on her off panel. And basically, the, the only context it makes sense is if it's supposed to be a joke about A, her being naive, and two... Someone saying to her, will you go to bed with me? Oh. Or will you sleep with me? Which I think is what that's supposed to be the joke of that. Mm-hmm. But it forces you to imagine someone just saying that that way, mm-hmm. which is weird. Yeah, and it's just a bad idea. I mean, oh, in yeah, general, honestly, it's a bad idea in general, in general but specifically <laughs> to a superpowered person. Yeah, who was probably trying to kill you at the time yeah weird yeah it, it was an odd choice and it was one that i yeah i read that dialogue and then had to work backwards to figure out what the joke probably was and then try to figure out what the setup dialogue because it it isn't just somebody hitting on her it has to be somebody saying either will you sleep with me or will you go to bed with me mm-hmm. which is not the way people generally hit on people or you know it could have just been somebody that was genuinely concerned. It's like, oh, you look tired. Do you need a nap? I know I always turn bright orange and my hair catches on fire when I'm sleepy. You look like you could really use a nap. Yeah, I mean, not to pry, but... Yes. Or speak out of turn. Right. Well, okay. Here are the two things that are a bad idea to, to say to people. 
One. There's only two, thank God. Yeah, I know. This will be easy. Yeah, you could you could remember this. I don't okay. even think you'll need to write it down. All right. One, do not just go up to strangers and say, will you go to bed with me or will you sleep with me? Okay. Count that as one thing. Sure. This one general topic. Yeah. Also, you shouldn't go up to somebody and say, I'm tired. Yeah. That is a bad idea. People do that to me sometimes. Yeah, it's bullshit. I often look tired, I guess. What do you say to them? Yeah, I am tired. <laughs> oh. You could also say, no thanks, I'm not really tired. <laughs> That's true. Thank you, Starfire. <laughs> Lessons from comics. Yes. There were a couple of, like, weird one-off things that kind of cracked me up that happened in this. Beast Boy making a shitty joke after Donna's proposal thing. So he just found out that Terry Long proposed to Donna. Sorry, but did they not know his last name by now? Who's? Terry's. She's like, Terry Long proposed to me. <laughs> that was unnerving. It is. It's uh, Especially if it is somebody that she has been dating. Yeah, maybe she was dating more than one Terry. Oh. What other Terrys do you think that she might have been dating? But they would have made up Gross? a nickname, like, <laughs> Fresh Air. Yeah. Oh. Or uh, a good interviewer. Terry Bradshaw. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Terry Gar. Terry Pratchett. Sure. See, these are all people. So she wanted to be specific. Terry Cruz. Ah. I think if any of those people had proposed to her, she would not have had to make up a cup of excuse. <laughs> Probably not. We digress. <laughs> Gar's <laughs> response is, heck, she could have been mine. She's been dying for my bones ever since we met. Okay, first of all, not a phrase. It just sounds awkward It as hell. sounds so dumb. Oh. Cyborg responds, perhaps not wittily, but not unreasonably, with, Logan, don't you ever stop with the jokes? And Beast Boy's response is, oh, nuts, just what I need. Now Vic's flipped out. We has it. That is a perfectly reasonable response. It is a reasonable response. I think what Beast Boy is getting at there is, like, Vic and him are buddies, and is maybe his only, like, person on the team that has... A modicum of patience for his stupid jokes. But, I mean, the way that he demonstrates that is by teasing him right back, generally, which... Right, and since he doesn't do that, Beast, okay. Beast Boy's like, oh, shit, man, something's on his mind. He's gone berserk! <laughs> He's not joking with me. <laughs> what has happened? Stupid Beast Boy. She's been after my bones. I liked him in this issue more than I normally do because he was still making the kind of stupid adolescent humor, but, like... It didn't come across as, you know, kind of creepy, is it? It didn't does. as much. That would be probably the outlier in that, in just the phrase, like, you just found out one of your really close friends is engaged, or I guess not technically engaged, but was proposed to, and your immediate response is to make a joke that involves you knowing but not perhaps fully understanding the phrase, jump my bones? Yep. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm not saying it's not awkward as hell. It really right. is. It's social skills are poor yes and he is not alone in that um what do you mean <laughs> a certain phrase leaps to mind which is tara asking cyborg what's wrong with him and saying what's wrong canhead someone stick your dog in a garbage disposal i know when i read that i i said under my breath but almost out loud tara <laughs> it's like Jesus. that's not a phrase I think she's just hanging around Beast Boy too much and she's trying to fit in. And yeah, but like, doesn't oh. understand it. Kind of like Aqualad would maybe do, mm -hmm. where he's just like, I don't understand what these phrases mean, but I'm going to play it off like I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that might be where Terra Beast Boy bond. Mm -hmm. That could be. 
Donna did not say yes to Terry Long. Nope. She did not say no, but she did not say yes. And her reason is, I couldn't possibly get married until I know who my birth parents are. Do you think that's actually her reason? Or do you think that if she knew who her birth parents were, then she would just be like, well, no, I mean, I totally love the guy, but I couldn't say yes to his marriage proposal. How can I get married before I've eaten an entire railway car? <laughs> Uh, I, I feel like she has just give, given herself a potentially insurmount task because this is something she's been trying to figure out for at least since we've known her as a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, gosh, this is where time gets weird in comics. Let's say we met her when she was 16, now she's 19. Yeah, but we did get her origin story at some point, so... Right, We've but, seen her since she was an infant, or a... Not yeah, infant. but we have known that she has been actively seeking her birth parents for at least last... Four years, let's say, generously. Sure. For much of her young adult life, at least. She has been unable to complete this task and then is setting this up as a prerequisite for her that I have to do this before I can marry this guy. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's conscious or subconscious. I think she does not want to marry Terry Long. Okay. I don't know. What's your theory? I think she's on the fence and she's trying to buy time. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, her first interaction with his kids and his ex was pretty weird yeah uncomfortable and that's gotta give you pause for one would consideration yeah but she doesn't want to say no because he's wearing his ruffled tux and they're at the rainbow room at new year's eve right yeah so how did that conversation go what did she say like oh thank you i think probably (laughs) that's wow (laughs) um i'm adopted so no for now yeah, I'll think uh, <laughs> about it and get back to you when I find my parents. Gosh. Uh, you know what? Let's put a pin in this. <laughs> Happy New Year. Uh, I gotta go fight some crime. Or just like, I'm, I'll be right back. Oh, I, I think she that's just... Took I'm off. gonna go to the bathroom. Yep. I'll tell you. i my nose. Yep. Um, oh, poor Terry. <laughs> starting to feel bad. <laughs> Uh, well, you know what? I, I'll take that as a great compliment if I can do something that the wonderful writer Marf Wolfman cannot do, and that is create some pathos for Terry Long, mm-hmm. then I will take that as a great compliment. Let's talk about some of the other relationships that are happening. We get a little bit of progress, maybe, in the Starfire Robin relationship, in that they actually have a talk about the fact that Starfire notices and is not cool with the fact that Rob has been treating her like shit. Which he almost fully apologizes for. He gets so close. So close. <sighs> Robin. Yeah, he still does play up the, you're right, I haven't been treating you fairly. Um, also, you're an alien, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. That's basically lo- what he says. Let's look at the actual dialogue, because that is not much of a paraphrasing. He acknowledged... That he was, you know, kind of treating her just generally badly. Shabbily, yes. Robin, not now, Starfire. Yes, now, Robin. I intend to talk to you. I'd like to help you. I want to... Starfire, please! Listen to me, Robin. You treat me like I'm stupid, but I'm not. I'm as well-educated as anyone here. It's just your Earth customs that I can never fathom. If you love someone on Tamaran, they live for you, and you live for them. You're right, Starfire. I do treat you like, well, all wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Good great. job, buddy. Yeah. But he follows it up with, but understand our customs. Sometimes when things are going wrong, 
We prefer to be left alone. Do you understand? No, but I will do what you want. She's yes, too good for him. She really is. And he was so close. Like, just, you don't need the follow-up. Just, like, leave it at, I'm sorry, I'll work on it. Don't just be like, but you're an alien, and on Earth, people like to be assholes. So, it's an Earth thing. Okay. Okay. It's just, <laughs> I'm Robin, I'm from Earth, and on Earth, uh, guys are jerks. So, you just have to understand my culture. Deal with it. Yeah. Not great. <laughs> I know, I was so encouraged when I was reading the I, apology part of yep, this not-apology. Yep, and just the, like, oh, okay, oh, okay. Yep, that's, you're still... There he is. You're still Robin. Baby steps, though. This is better than he has been acting lately. Still not great, but... F+. plus. Yeah. Let's talk about my favorite relationship in this book. The brain of Sir Mala. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that the brain stopped speaking in a French accent for the most part. Mm-hmm. Do you think Monsieur Mala was just like, buddy, I appreciate it, uh, but you do not have to do this. <laughs> it, it feels, I know you're trying to express solidarity, it feels like maybe you're making fun of me a little bit. Yeah, vaguely <laughs> insulting. Yeah, but I do notice that the brain, the one thing that he did still do is he still refers to Raven as Mademoiselle uh, when... Monsieur Mala is. is. Mm. And I bet he also, like, over-enunciates the fuck out of, out of Monsieur Mala. I was trying to read the accent aloud with, with Tina earlier. Yeah. Who, my girlfriend is a, a speaker of, of, of French as a, as a first language. And um, uh, I wasn't doing a very good job. I what? Sort of, Corey, you're a master of the French accent. It's I was going to German, and I think that as an accent, and the reason is because they replaced the with a Z-E. Yeah, and um, and that, and that was her. And I was like, okay, well, you, well, you were the French accent, like gave her the comic, and she said, why are they spelling the Z E E? And that I could not, not really because this is how you talk. Yes, <laughs> uh, I, I haven't been to France for a while, so oh right, I, it's, I'm rusty. I did notice that the wildly fluctuating accent of Plasmus has gotten way worse again. Mm. I felt like it was getting a little bit better. In that I could kind of read it with a German accent, and then with this one, it was back to just, like, half German accent with some French thrown in, and, and so sometimes you just have a thing. I love how he says there is there, there, and whiff. He's a jerk, but he's a funny jerk. Or he's a jerk that talks funny. Do you think he's just pretending to be German and nobody wants to call him on it, and he has a terrible accent? Oh, maybe. I mean, I mean look, he's a, he's a walking tub of goo who can annihilate any of us. Just fucking play along. He wants to say he's German. Uh, let him have fun with the whiffs and the durs. <laughs> yep. It just makes him sound dumb, too, the way. Over, dear. Yeah. And dur. But, like, like with the French accent, I understand that the Z-E is shorthand for French accent. Uh, I feel like it would be simple to do a shorthand for German accent with you replace the W's with V's. We want. We have ways, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Ways of making you talk. Yeah. <laughs> and one of those ways is to replace the W's with V's. That'll be a hot hypothesis. That is why you talk like this. Apologies to our German friends. Yes, yes. And the French. Yes, and everybody else. And Zandia. <laughs> those guys don't seem to have accents. No, but it does seem like a tropical place. In one regard, certainly. 
I feel we may have the same sartorial speaking. <laughs> <laughs> we'll chat about that later. Indeed we shall. But I'm sorry, we digress ever so slightly. We were talking about... <laughs> we were talking about... About the brain and Monsieur Mala. Oh, right, yep. Inexplicably, Raven seems to be very comforted by their presence as opposed to the other members of the Brotherhood. It seemed as though they were building it that maybe the brain was doing some kind of, like... Hypnosis? Hypnosis or, like, pheromones or something that, like... Brain control. But they never paid it off, and we are left with the general impression that, well, sure, who's more comforting and soothing and reassuring than a robo-brain and a murderous French ape? Mm -hmm. Like, of course they put her at ease. It is really cool, and I do just love watching Monsieur Mala be a comforting, almost, like mother figure to Raven and like being like, eh, you don't want to do these. Well, after her experience with, with human and phobia, th those guys probably seemed kind. Okay. Let's talk about the Brotherhood of Evil. Who gets fucking useless? He does bad at everything, pretty much. He does. His attempt to make Raven talk, I was impressed that he didn't just give her a bad knee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he moved. Up he he moved up a foot, little bit, and it was just like, "Oh, we have we. You're gonna tell us everything you know. Your tummy hurts. Your you tummy hurts. The worst stomach ache. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's like you ate too much ice cream. And now he sounds like that's how he talks. That's how he talks. <laughs> sounds kind of like a wrestler from the '80s. Oh boy, <laughs> brother. <laughs> you're gonna talk so much. But she doesn't, because he almost kills her, and then he's like, oh, shit, uh, sorry, guys, my bad, <laughs> like, you're, you're up. Yeah, and then he gets, once again, when there is a fight scene later, he, he gets trounced pretty handily. He does also, I think, did he give Starfire a tummy ache, too? Mm, I don't remember this. I, he gave, I think he was in the act of giving Starfire a tummy ache when Cyborg comes to the rescue with what could have been the worst idea ever. Because the way he rescues her is he reaches in and crushes the voodoo doll. Yeah, and as like, I was no. reading that, I was just like, Cyborg, no! You're gonna crush her. That is not how you deal with a voodoo doll. Apparently if it's a science voodoo doll, that's fine. But dang. But I guess just crushing the doll in your robo-fist. Yeah. Totally chill. You could put it down a garbage disposal. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <laughs> they'd be fine yeah probably man I hope the Titan Tower doesn't have a garbage disposal it seems like they're bad with them it seems like they don't really understand the limitations and potential hazards of garbage disposals yeah I had a, a housemate like that once yeah just mm -hmm. tried to put everything down there yep what did your what did your housemate try to put down the garbage disposal? Um, like fibrous things, like uh, kale stems and oh. such, which it is not capable of dealing with. Didn't was it you that had somebody put like a whole box of oatmeal down a fucking garbage disposal <laughs> or something? No, that wasn't me. That's funny though. I I seem to recall I know somebody who tried to do that. I bet that shit happens at the Titan Tower all the time. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, guys, stop it. Yeah, just because it says garbage disposal doesn't mean you're actually yeah. supposed to do that. Do you know in Canada they, they call those garburators? Why don't we do that? Oh, it's pretty cool. <sighs> Universal healthcare calling garbage disposals garburators. Mm -hmm. I'm down with spelling tire with a Y. 
That's just fun. Sure. Metric? Yeah, why not, man? We had to learn that shit at one point. Did we? Uh, you didn't learn it in elementary school and get told, this is the way we're going to be doing things in the future, so get used to it. No, I guess the three-year age difference was <laughs> significant enough that that never came up. Yeah, I guess we hit like a brief window in optimism <laughs> yeah. for a base 10 <laughs> math system. Yep. Oh, well. Yep. What can you do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, other members of the Brotherhood of Evil and how they performed. Um, Plasmus, his plan wasn't any better than Hoongins to make Raven talk. He was like, oh. I, I got goo fists. I'll, I'll punch you with them and they'll feel bad. You'll get all melty and gross. Yeah. Which I understand. I think with both of them, both of them it's like, you got one tool in your toolbox. Maybe I'd be like throwing a light bulb with a hammer. The hammer. But... Because that was your tool. Yeah, the hammer was the tool. Okay. And also, you think you need tools to screw in a light bulb. <laughs> Is it a perfect metaphor? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I get where they're coming from with that, but they do a bad job, especially as they are attempting to torture information out of someone who does not consciously possess that knowledge. Mm -hmm. And they, they seem to be aware of that fact, at least partly. Doesn't work that great. Phobia does a pretty job, sort of. I guess her cheat day of not being evil is over. Because no she seems shit, pretty man. evil that in this. That was a nasty nightmare. She but at the rape. same time, she basically said, hey, I just hit the start button, and the rest yeah. of it was up to Raven. You know, sorry, she passed out. My bad. Not really. I figured it would probably be snakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm as surprised as anyone. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that nightmare is fucking horrific. Let's talk about that nightmare a little bit. Okay. Really like, impressive just artwork. Just really, in terms of tone and really imaginative layout, it, it's just, you really get the impression that this is Raven's surreal descent into madness. And you get a, an idea of the type of shit that she's going through. I will say, her nightmare portrayal of Wally seems pretty accurate. Like, that didn't actually seem any different than regular Wally. <laughs> Well, just except that he melted at the end. Oh, he, okay, he melted at the end. But it was that, like, don't you care about me? I love you. Please save me. Reach out and grab my hand. And then she goes out to reach out and grab his hand. And he totally does psych. it, like, psych! And, <laughs> yeah. like, flips it back. Like, I bet he, like, combs it through his hair when he does that. I think his hand is off panel at the time, so you just see the hand being retracted. But he totally combs his hair with it. What a douche. And then melts. So, you know, it's frustrating. I... I know I feel like I'm harping on it in this issue, and I have for the past several. I like old Teen Titan Wally West so much, and I like new Teen Titan Wally West so little. Mm. It's really frustrating to me. Yeah. Where's that syrup, syrup chugging, chugging goofball. goofball, playing the guitar, doing bad impressions of Holly Hip? Like, I guess a lot of adolescents go through that phase. He's gone, so... I can't be the dick to fill the dick vacuum. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Speedy's back, and now it's just like, no, I've I've grown into my role as the team's asshole. Yeah, <laughs> and now it's yeah, like a power struggle. like a being a dick <laughs> measuring contest. <laughs> we get a little bit more of the political landscape of Zandia, and the struggle between the Brotherhood of Evil and the Church of Blood. So, I would think that if you have a shadow puppet government that you're running, mm -hmm. not everybody could be in on the secret. 
But in Zandia, it seems like everybody's in on the fact that Brother Blood is in fact running. Like, the cops show up at the airport and are like, sorry, we have orders from the president that the Teen Titans are allowed to land here. You know, on account of, we're all criminals here. <laughs> mm-hmm. And criminals don't like superheroes. So, sorry. Honestly, seems kind of reasonable. Yeah, but then Robin's like, no, we have the paperwork. Yeah. It's cool. And then immediately that gets escalated by Francine just being like, and yoink, you don't have any weapons. Mm-hmm. And Tara at this point is just like, all right, way to go, Fran. Yeah. Which has to make you kind of question yourself there. Mm-hmm. If you're Fran. And Tara's just being like, way to go. Her go-to metaphor is dogs being put in garbage disposals. Maybe I'm overstepping my bounds. But Starfire backs her play. The Titans are perhaps as bad at international diplomacy as they are at secret identities. Mm. But the point that I wanted to get to was the Church of Blood is like, no, we can actually use the Titans against the Brotherhood of Evil. So we're cool with them landing. So the Church of Blood has a call and says, no, police guy, ignore what the president says. Brother Blood wants you to do this. So the police are apparently in on the idea of the shadow government, including like just like whoever meets people at the airport. It seems like everybody's in on this. Mm -hmm. That's not a good shadow government. Seems to work for Zandia. Okay, fine. I feel like they should be better about their secrets. That's just what I feel. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, and the Brotherhood of Evil wants to find out what Brother Blood's secret is, which has something to do with... Nakes. Oh, probably. Does it have to do with snakes? I don't know. That's a good guess. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Oh, he's kind of a snaky costume. He's got, uh, like, the Serpentor skull hat. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Mm-hmm. I think you might just letting be letting the Defenders issues bleed in here, or if somebody's an asshole, they might be snaked. Ah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, what do you think of the whole Brotherhood versus Brother Blood struggle? Eh, I don't know. So Brother Blood has some secret. Yeah. The other guys want it. Right, because they both want to rule Zandia. Yeah, so it's just, like... It's just a big mess, man. It's a big mess. Go, they'll, like, just deal with it. Leave the Titans alone. Yeah, man, stop trying to use them as cat's paw. They have enough trouble. They've got enough on their plate. Yeah. Including Raven turning into fucking Trigon at the end. Yeah, for a minute. For a minute. And she then she gets it under control with her powerful mantra, I will not kill, I will not kill, I will not kill. Mm-hmm. I liked that. Yeah. I thought that it was funny and telling that the immediate response after that screams, I will not kill, I will not kill, I will not kill. The next thing that Wally says is, she tried to kill us, didn't she? <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody's just like, no, Wally. Yeah, he's not the sharpest. No, he is not. You ready to get into the minutia? Sure. Rick. Why don't you sing us a little song? We got minutia. It's not the biggest part, it's just minutia. Like Corey eating farts, we got minutia. Time to sweat the small stuff. Thanks, Rick. Thank you. Okay, let's just get this out of the way. Cut shorts. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What were you going to (laughs) say? You know what? Let's go with that one. Sartorially speaking. (laughs) Yeah, we both had the same impression. Cops wearing shorts at the airport. Captain Hernandez, man. A guy can rock it. Few people can. I don't think he could. It, it is, is not it a sign of authority. It's it, goofy as hell. 
It's probably really hot there. No, here's my thinking. Okay. It's Zandia. Mm-hmm. Everybody's a criminal. Mm-hmm. They want their cops to look stupid. Um, well, mission accomplished. <laughs> yep, well done. <laughs> yeah, in Zandia, the policeman uniform includes shorts. Mm-hmm. In a couple of panels. I think in some of them it looks like they're wearing long pants, but there are definitely a couple where they're wearing shorts. And I maybe they do that in countries where it's tropical, but to me, it just really just makes it hard for me to take somebody as an authority figure if they are wearing shorts. Yeah, and the like the uniform aspect of it too, where it's like a pleated or you know an ironed like yeah. uniform where your shirt is tucked into your yeah. Other than that, shorts. they look like really pretty standard cop uniforms. It definitely has a different sigil than a shield on the hat, mm-hmm. but it's a cop uniform. It reads as cop, and then they pull back and they're all wearing shorts, yeah. and it's just like oh, because they're also mail carriers. Yeah. All right. Anything else, sartorially? That was really all I had. That was all I had. <laughs> okay, I think that's fair. <laughs> all right. Sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to say, let's just get out of the way. The speedy of the issue is Wally. Agreed? Yeah, I did write that down. Yeah, and we've talked about it a lot. For all of the reasons we mentioned, it's Wally. Robin also is still kind of a dick. Uh, Cyborg scared me when he when he crunched that uh, the voodoo doll, mm-hmm. but it's Wally. Uh, sound effects. There was a couple good ones. Yeah. I just had the one written down. Spatch. Yeah. It's a noise that Tara makes when she's, uh... It's a noise that Cyborg makes when he's punching through a bunch of rocks that Tara has loosened. Oh, right you are. When Tara is doing it, it makes the scrunch Mm. noise. When Cyborg is doing it, it makes spatch. And those are, those are the two sound effects that I had were scrunch and spatch. I think that is fair. It reminded me of, uh, at work, we were playing the movie The Raid right now. Oh. Uh, have you seen it? I have seen it. That's a it's action really good. packed movie. But one of the things that I was struck with when I was adjusting the volume on the movie is whoever was doing the Foley work was having a fucking blast with that shit. Mm. Like, every punch sounds like a bag of ice being thrown down uh like flight of stairs oh like there's a wet crunch with every punch noise um a wet crunch with every, every punch I, that's that's our guarantee <laughs> worst breakfast cereal ever <laughs> <laughs> but that was what the noise spatch reminded me of right like, I, wet yeah i read it yes I, I read it as that kind of a just like a wet crunch with every punch <laughs> Yep. That's The Raid's guarantee. Uh, if you guys haven't seen The Raid, it's a fucking dope movie. You should check it out. Indonesian martial arts film from, I believe, 2011. If you don't like action violence, you might want to sit this one out. When I was uh, when I was writing the synopsis of it, uh, do you ever play the game Karatika for the Apple IIe? No. Um, it's a game where you go through a bunch of levels and you do punches and kicks at oh karateka i read yeah i misheard you (laughs) yeah no it the name of it sounds like it should be a erotic karate adventure but it isn't which is disappointing karateka is that how you say i don't know i'm just trying to get sound more wholesome you're trying to the brains one (laughs) yes i mean are you over (laughs) yes that was yeah the brain totally has i know i brought this up before but the trebequois accent Mm. Where you overly enunciate foreign words like Alex Trebek does. Mm. Trebequois. Yeah, I had a friend who always called that a Trebequois accent. And I've definitely known people who have done it. Mm. Um, 
where it's like, that is a normal sentence, and then you got to somebody's name in it, and it was just like... That goes the, that goes the other way, too. When when you're in Mexico and you're uh, watching the news mm-hmm. or, or something, and then an English word opens Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's disconcerting both yeah. times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What were we talking about? Oh, sound effects. Sound effects. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, spatch. Yeah, me too. Okay. Did you have a timestamp or a show and tell? I had a show and tell. I did too. Was your show and tell? What? The ground shakes? Yeah! <laughs> it was! <laughs> was is das? Yeah, totally Yeah, was. I had that also. It does occur to me that a potential timestamp would be a fundamental misunderstanding of and fascination with garbage disposals. Like maybe that was was that a new device I said? It wasn't because it because it was Flintstones. <laughs> so I'm not saying that it existed in Stone Age times, I'm saying it existed in the uh yeah, in the late sixties. Oh <laughs> got it. Okay. That makes more sense. Right. It's like, oh there oh man, buddy, you gotta I'm saying it existed in the documentary, The Flintstones. You have some things to learn. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Uh, what? The ground shakes, as said by Plasmus. Pretty goofy. Bozo. What instance of someone calling someone else a bozo, either literally or metaphorically, would you like to highlight? Unless I missed it, we didn't get an actual bozo. Not that I found. Okay. Well, we've actually talked about it already, but I'm only going to take the first part. The can head? The can head part and not the cat (laughs) or the dog in the garbage disposal part because that was just weird and creepy. Yeah, and I don't think it's technically an insult. It's just... Poor understanding of how to talk to people. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I actually had the same one. Oh. We are synced up. It makes me nervous for when we get to the... What was Aqualad probably up to? Oh, I'm sure he has something better. Okay. But yes, I had... What's wrong, canhead? Someone stick your god in your god. Someone stick your god in a garbage disposal. That, see, I think that would be delightful. Mm. As a thing to say, not a thing to do. You don't put gods in garbage disposals. Really don't not, put not with a technology. Anything other than like soft food that you want to dispose of. And not a lot. Either. Yeah, a little at Just a time. Like that. You gotta run hot water at the same time. Make sure there aren't spoons down there, and for God's sake, don't try to reach in and grab anything out of it. Don't put your hand in there. No, unless it's all the way off, and you, you need you to... You can unplug them, too. You can go yeah. under the, the uh, sink and unplug it. Yeah, and just, yeah, be careful about mixing up, like, a light switch and uh, and a garbage disposal switch. Mm-hmm. I would have them on separate switches if you can. Yeah. All right. I'm on my brooms. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> this old Titan Tower. <laughs> Well, let's get to one with perhaps a little bit more meat on its bones. What was your favorite panel? There was actually so much to choose from in this in this. There book. really was, and there was a bunch of different, tonally different panels to choose from, and they, they were all, once again, just gorgeous art. Start with one. Okay, so this one was, action-wise, probably the least interesting, but it had a graphical, like, almost cinematic quality to it that I thought was really interesting, and it was on page 13... And it's a panel that occupies the entire left side of the page of the Titan jet flying, but as if viewed from above. I also noticed that one. It's a really nice graphic design element to it of, yes, an above shot of the plane, which is, I mean, it's it's a jet, so I get it. Very phallic looking. Flying across the sky with a jet fuel behind it. It, it is a really striking panel. 
it is cinematic to me too. Like I, I think I think of like cutscene in a movie where like it's whoosh, like, like the plane flies by. Like, yeah, or like the dotted the line on that thing, like mm-hmm. in Indiana Jones. Yep. Yeah. That panel stuck out to me too. I, gosh, man, as I'm flipping through it, I every panel's great. But there's one on page ten that is part of. It's an early part of Raven's Nightmare, and really all of Raven's Nightmare is illustrated gorgeously and as I said really imaginatively laid out and done in a different way which kind of conveys a surreal sense about it but there are a number of cascading and interlocked panels in the lower right hand corner that are just a yellow silhouette of a I think naked but not at all sexualized raven tumbling through these panels and it's just gorgeous Mm -hmm. it's just really well done and just really does what it's supposed to do, and yeah, we've taken so much effort to conceive of and draw. Yeah, all of that. Yeah, really impressive stuff. I think my favorite panel though is a fairly straight-ahead panel. The Titans have just had an argument in Times Square. Cyborg was just like, "Look, knock it off, everybody. We can disagree if we have to, but let's do it in private." Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that sentiment. And so they are all heading back to the Titan Titan Tower. Alone and sullen in their thoughts, but traveling as a group. Except for Speedy, who is having a fucking great time. Pretending Robin's a flying (laughs) horse or something. Yeah, Robin is giving him a ride on his, like, flying titan cycle, but Speedy's just holding his bow above his head, and then really seems to be going, Wee! Yeah! Yep. Everyone else is sullen and thinking thoughts about how either, I don't like how we're fighting with each other, I think at least three of them are thinking, maybe I should just quit the team. They'd be better off without me. But yeah, it's really cool looking. Cyborg also, it looks like he's just walking across thin air, but with a really determined look on his face. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like we've seen him like leap from place to place, but this doesn't have that kind of dynamism. And he's traveling at the same rate as the rest of the group. It leads me to believe that Fran is using her magnetic powers. She's using them herself. As she just kind of holds her arms out at her side, like mm-hmm. she's walking on like a, a tightrope or something. I think she's levitating Cyborg and he's just like, I'm going to pretend walking because it's as it's dignified. Taking very big steps. Uh-huh. And it's just kind of fun. So both in terms of it being just really visually striking and a nice group shot of them traveling and for the weird little headcanon that I'm able to put together in it, I think that is probably my favorite panel. That's a good panel. Yeah. Were there any others you wanted to talk about? Yep. I had I had two, two others, actually. Okay. And I think think my favorite one is, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle of a bunch of things happening, but it's on page, page 19, and I called it Ladies Punching, and it's in the... <laughs> that was one of the 12 days of Christmas, right? <laughs> yeah, Ladies Punching. <laughs> How many of them were there? Was it seven Ladies Punching? Uh, page 19, Ladies oh, Punching. Oh, okay. Um, Five golden rings. Two um, Ladies Punching. Ooh, yeah. Isn't that great? That is really great. It is Starfire punching Monsieur Mala in the tummy and him being knocked backwards and Wonder Girl punching out Phobia. That's really nice. Mm. And the other one you wanted to talk about? Oh, the other one we, we actually touched on earlier. It's on page 12 and it's Melting Wally where it's in Raven's Nightmare after oh, Wally's yeah. like, psych! And then yeah. his face melts off. Yeah, no, I... Maybe I just like that because he was being a dick and I was happy to see his face melt off. But Man, it, was, it is, was super creepy. Yeah, that is some straight up, like, dude's been sneaking peeks at the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. Like, just horrific face melting turning to dust. And As you see that set with Rin just slowly huddling herself and collapsing. Like, she's really losing her marbles. <laughs> yeah, that is really well done. Mm-hmm.
So, we already covered that the issue Speedy, the worst Titan, is Wally. Yep. Conversely, who is this issue's Aqualad? Who was the Titan who did the best job? The Titan who did the best job in making potentially forever, ever use for neither <laughs> confirming nor denying <laughs> you will marry somebody. Yes. And saving Raven and yes. potentially the whole rest of the team yep. is Donna Troy. Agreed. I had backups. I I agree. I had Donna chosen for that reason. I also had Raven, question mark, not murder. She did a great job not murdering everybody. I will not. I will not. I will not. <laughs> yeah. I will not. I will not kill. I will not kill. I will not kill. Right. I gotta get that on a cross stitch. <laughs> Do you? I mean, it seems like a good thing yeah, to remind really yourself of. People at when they get home and yeah. they see that. But, oh, that's just such a smaft <laughs> project. <laughs> I mean, right now it's just written all over the walls like 60 or 70 times. Which, yeah. Um, yeah I think it has the same effect, but I, I'd like it to have like a homier touch. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've said this to you uh, yet today, but I will not kill. I will not kill. Corey, hmm? I will not kill. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. Yes. Uh, I also had Starfire. I think she did a really good job of standing up to herself and... For herself. Yeah. Yeah. St- yes. Did I say to herself? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, I don't want to deal with this. Robin's being such a dick. She's like, Starfire, you go out there and you tell him. She's like, okay, fine. Fine, Starfire, I will. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think she did a really good job of standing up for herself. And it's a difficult situation. It's a difficult thing to have a conversation with a loved one about something that's important. And she did, and she didn't preface it by saying, we need to talk. Good move. Um, yep. Otherwise, Robin would have just bolted, throwing furniture behind him. Exactly. But, yeah, Donna, for not accepting Terry's proposal, giving herself an out, and also, to a lesser extent, for rescuing the entire team from being murdered <laughs> by Trigon. Yep. Well done. Which I believe brings us to Wapoot. Indeed. What is Aqualad probably up to? Yes. In the year of our, of our Lord, 1983, and the lunch, and the lunch. <laughs> what does the Lord like for lunch? Huh? Ah, oh boy! Um, surprisingly, generally, crab cakes. Oh, crab cakes are delicious. They are delicious. If it's, is it a Thursday? Sure. Then he's having crab cakes. <laughs> In the year of our Lord, 1983, <laughs> and the month of our Lord, May, what is Aqualad probably up to, Corey? Uh, well, fortunately, it's a long month. Indeed. Or, you know, a month. Sure. 30 or 31 from May. Nobody knows for sure. It's true, because the problem with that, the uh, mnemonic device, the mm. uh, 30 31. days have such and such, some, some other ones, and such and such, all yep. the rest have 31. Mm-hmm. All those fucking months rhyme with each other. You yeah. put them in any order in there. That is not a helpful mnemonic device. No, I don't like it. Boo. Yeah, bad job. Yeah, bad job, whoever wrote that shit. Anyway, Aqualad had had some downtime, and like many people in their downtime, had turned to network television. Mm-hmm. And, Especially in 83. Right. And he had become very close in, in the way that people become close to, to their to their TV shows they like and the characters to Laverne and Shirley. Oh, yeah. And the show ended. Oh, dear. In May of 1983. And he was he was feeling a, a void, a, a loss, a, a sadness due, due to that. Like, mm-hmm. he just was going to miss those those ladies. You know, he was sullenly walking down the street, Manhattan, shut sure. things off my mind. Yeah. 
you know, walking down the street, kicking things mm-hmm. in the street. Just and kicking uh, down the cobblestones. Yep. Feeling, looking for fun. Not feeling groovy. No. Just yet. But then he sees the marquee, and it is the 25th of May, and oh. it is the premiere of Return of the Jedi. And he hey. loved The Empire Strikes Back, because that sure. is a fucking great movie. Mm-hmm. And so he went to see Return of the Jedi, and, you know, wasn't as good as Empire, but it still picked his spirits up. See, my suspicion, I think it might have been Ahmad's favorite of the original, original trilogy. He's a sweet guy. It's got a happy ending. It's got Ewoks. It's a fun film. Yeah, but he's like, it's not going to take you all, the, all that time to digest in the Sarlacc stomach. That's ridiculous. <laughs> you would die of heat stroke or... He dehydration does, he does or know something. A lot of time. Yeah, you'd have one hour. Yeah. He's like <laughs> one hour before you die of dehydration. Whatever, Java, idiot. <laughs> My supposition for how Aqualad was in that time also ends with him seeing the return of the Jedi. Ah. And he may have still been upset about Laverne and Shirley, but he was currently thinking about a different sitcom, an older sitcom. Mm. I love Lucy. The reason he was thinking about that was because he had been hanging out with his old friend, Tony Basil. Tony Basil, of course, had the hit song, Hey Mickey. Oh. In the early 80s. That but Tony that, Basil. But before that, she was also the, the Tony Basil, who was the, the corfer for the Monkees movie, Head. She was the same Tony Basil who played a prostitute in Easy Rider. What? And the same Tony Basil who had a minor UK hit, with the song I'm 28, which is about how her life was almost over because she was 28, in the uh, late 60s. Oh, sure. Um, then, in her early 40s, she penned and performed the song Mickey. Hey, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine, you blow my mind. So he had been talking with Tony Basil. He knew he knew her, her their old hippie date together oh, back sure. in the late 60s. Wild. Uh-huh. They had a lunch date, and they were hanging out, and she's like, it's amazing, this song's too great. And actually... The biggest honor of all associated with this is Weird Al just released a song called Hey Ricky <laughs> that was about <laughs> that was about uh, Ricky from I Love Lucy and was about that. And she's like, isn't that cool? Isn't that like a huge honor? And he's like, Weird Al writes song parodies? I thought those were all original compositions because I thought the same thing. And so then that just kind of blew his mind. Mm-hmm. And he and Tony Basil to the Wax Museum in... Washington, D.C., and watched I'll Give a Concert, at which he performed Ricky. He got to go backstage. He got to meet Weird Al. Hmm. They started talking. They they hit it off great, because they're both really nice guys. And one of the things they talked about is how they were both really excited about seeing Return of the Jedi. Hmm. And they started talking about Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Aqualad gave Weird Al the idea for the song Yoda which came out a couple of years after that, oh, shit. as they were talking about Star Wars and how excited they were. Mm. And then they went and saw Return of the Jedi together together on the 5th, the week after that, that concert in uh, the Wax Museum. We have, have so things to thank Aqualud for. We really do. I thought that song Yoda was an original composition when I was a kid. I had never heard the song Lola. Oh, <laughs> There were a lot like that. And the weird thing about, like, Weird Al, too, is, like, a lot of his songs were original compositions. Yeah, I was going to say, Nature Trail and, to Hell was original right yeah and there were a lot of them where i was like wait what song is that making fun of and i would look around because i didn't know the original songs that he was making fun of mm-hmm. for the ones when he was for a lot of them mm-hmm. so it was really confusing for me wrapping my head around uh weird Al's like like what he was doing yeah uh, and like sometimes it was it would just be like a pastiche thing where like 
the song Twister was like in the style of the Beastie Boys, but wasn't a song parody of a Beastie Boys song. Mm. And so like, yeah, Weird Al, man. Yeah. Anyway, that's what Aqualad was probably up to. Good job, Aqualad. Yeah, good job all around. Thanks. And thank you, listener, for tuning in to this episode of Tighten Up the Defense. We will be back next week with a episode of The, the Enders, where we are promised the conclusion of the turd-licking shit weasel saga. And we'll be back in two weeks and find out what's going on with those wacky titans. We are promised the introduction of the titans' most dangerous enemies ever, Thunder and Lightning. Ooh! Don't think that's their most dangerous enemies ever. I think we've probably met, like, we've met Deathstroke the Terminator, we've met Hive, we've met Brother Blood... Hive does generally a poor job. They do. But the other two, those are pretty dangerous guys. Guys, the Brotherhood of Evil, for Christ's sake. Sure. They've got crazy accents. Craziest in the business. And most dangerous. Dangerous. The most dangerous accent is man. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, thanks for listening, listeners. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so at ttwasteland at gmail.com. If you would like to send us some money, you can do that by donating at patreon.com backslash ttwasteland. By the time this goes up, I should have the Automan Turbo Teen episode posted. It's a lot of editing, but it's coming out okay. And I hope you will enjoy that. That is going to be for Patreon lists only. Yeah, if you'd like to leave a review on iTunes or really wherever, just say nice stuff about us. Tell a friend. Tell an enemy. Tell anybody. Tell a sea enemy. Whoa. It won't do any good. They can't talk. Lousy listener. Yeah. Eh, maybe. Mm. Sometimes that's what you're looking for in a listener is somebody who won't interrupt you, though. See, an enemy is going to be very good for that. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I will not kill. I will not kill. <laughs> um. <laughs> Thank you, Corey. I appreciate your restraint. <laughs> you're welcome. And I promise to you is... <laughs> Big wet crunch with every punch. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. And they know it. That was a great song! (laughs) Oh no!